Where do we find peace? Where do we find peace? What do you look to to find your rest? St. Augustine says that our hearts are restless, Lord, until they find our rest in Thee. As many of you know, I've shared the journey that we've been on in trying to sell our house. And after a little while, you start scratching your head and saying, God, what, what's going on here? You know, we're not seeing the results that we anticipated. We're, we're, we've been praying and you're not answering. We've been really calling you to the plate, Lord. And what are you doing here? And, and uh, it was last week that Carrie and I, in the midst of uh, a pretty stressful week, um, started kind of just hashing that out at night and saying, I don't know what's going on here. We don't know what God is doing. We found that our, our lives were filled with much anxiety and, and, and frustration. And, um, and it, it got to the point where we just started talking about the implications of, of who God is and what God is doing in the midst of our present circumstances. Have you you've been in those moments in your life where you think if this would only happen, everything would be okay, right? If the house would only sell, everything would be okay. If I could only find my lost luggage after that long flight and I'm in a different place, if, if that would only come through, then we'd be okay. If my car wouldn't have any more mechanical failures, everything would be okay. If this amount of money was only in the bank account, then we would be okay. And you could fill in the blank with whatever your thing is, but what that thing is, if that's where you look to for peace, for shalom, for rest, then you're looking in the wrong direction. And it got to the point where Carrie and I were saying, we know this, we know this, right? I I know this, but I still struggle with it. Anybody else? Am I the only one who struggles with this? I know these things, and we know them in our head, but have they, have they taken the 18-inch differential from the head to the heart, and they've soaked themselves down deep to where the truth of God isn't a mere acknowledgement, but it's something that we really believe and consciously seek to live out. It's the peace of God. And... We know a thing or two about peace or the absence of peace here in Orlando as just the last several weeks has revealed to us that Orlando is not immune from tragedy. The happiest place on earth, the place where everyone goes, it's the vacation capital of the world, but yet we realize that even in our backyard, we're not immune to chaos and disorder. And it causes us to pause And to wonder, where exactly do we find our peace? Now, if you watch the rest of the world in light of the circumstances that happen at Pulse Nightclub, you'll see a lot of themes that come out of it. You'll see a lot of people say, if we just had gun control measures that came through, then we would find the peace that we long for. Or if we didn't have gun control measures, then we would have the peace that we long for. Or if this political agenda emerges or this narrative emerges, but 
but there's something that God is doing. And, and I think all the frantic movement of all those things causes us to see where we go to for peace in the world around us. Now, I'm not saying that changes don't need to be taken place or don't need to happen. But I think there's a bigger question that becomes revealed in the midst of it all. And the bigger question is, is, is there peace with God in this world? Or does it reveal the absence of that peace? And so we see it personally. We also see it in the world around us. And we know that everybody is longing for some kind of peace to fill our souls. And we will go to great lengths to find it. And the Apostle Paul speaks to this. And what the Apostle Paul says as it relates to peace is that peace can only be found in God. Peace can only be found in God. And throughout the rest of my time here with you today, I, I want to I show you that. I want to show you that the peace that we long for, the shalom that this whole world is searching for, can only be found in God. And if our focus on peace is anywhere else, we do not have it. And we will not have it unless it's found squarely in who God is and what he has done. Paul says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. There is an internal peace that can take place in the depths of our souls that is not contingent upon external circumstances. You know what I mean by that? There's an internal peace that could happen deep within our souls that's not contingent upon external circumstances. I've done a lot of weddings as a pastor, and one of the things that I say in every ceremony as a charge to the newlywed bride and groom, I say, guard your lives carefully. Don't let your love for each other be stolen by the daily challenges that you face, but let all of your challenges be an opportunity for your love for one another to grow. So if you're married in here and you've been married for any period of time, you can identify with what I just said there because you know that there's these circumstances in life that can steal at your love for one another, right? It's, and it's not the big things. It actually can be a culmination of just the little things, it's the day in and day out. It's the fact that you're separated from one another uh, just through circumstance and time. It's the fact that now you have kids and it's really hard to get that time to cherish one another. And, and you're trying to put the kids to bed at 8 so you can get an hour together before bedtime. And then they go to bed at 10 and it's really difficult. And the circumstances can compound and then that love for one another can slowly fade away. And the same is true of joy. Our joy in this world can slowly be chipped away if our joy is not foundationally in the solid rock of Jesus Christ. It's what David talked about last week when we preached on joy as a fruit of the Spirit. 
And the interesting thing about the fruit of the Spirit is you cannot say that I have joy, but then you don't have peace. No, if, if you don't have joy, then you don't have peace. Or you can't say, I just got to work on patience, but I'm good with love. No, it doesn't work that way. If you have to grow in patience through the fruit of the Spirit, you also have to grow in love because the fruit of the Spirit grow together. They're not individual or isolated. They work in harmony with one another because if you don't have one, you don't have any of them. And if you need to grow in one, you need to grow in all of them. And friends, for each of us, we must grow in all of them. And they all grow together. And watching how God works his will through the fruit of the Spirit in our lives as they grow together is seeing God conform our character to his to see us become more and more like Jesus. It's a pursuit of holiness that God has called each of us to. It's the obedient life that says that I am led by the Lord and he is the one that's in control. And so this peace is a peace that's found in our joy in the Lord. That's a demonstration that we have peace with God is that we rejoice in the Lord. Notice that the joy that's found is in the Lord. It's not found in your bank account. It's not found in the size of car that you drive. It's not found in how good or how bad your day was or if you got a flat tire on the way here. Your joy is found in the Lord. And that demonstration is a demonstration that has the world watching. It's the peace of God that's practiced. It's a point I want us to know that, that, that peace is lived out. It's not simply something that we described. It's not something that's just internal, but it works its way out of ourselves. Peace is practice on a day-to-day basis. And it's shown by our rejoicing in the Lord. Paul states this from a prison cell block. He wrote the book of Philippians while in prison. And Paul didn't know what the next day would bring. He didn't know if his life was in jeopardy. He didn't know how long he would be in there. But as Paul is pinning these words to the church of Philippi, he is telling them what he himself is experiencing. Do you want the world to have that kind of joy? Do you want to share that joy with the world around you? Like Paul You can't preach what you don't practice. And Paul was practicing that peace of rejoicing in the Lord in the midst of being in a jail cell. And this is the peace that he is preaching to the church of Philippi through persecution, through inward fighting and bickering. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Verse 5, he says, let your reasonableness be known to all. Not very often where you hear the word reasonableness, do you? You've you've probably heard someone say, well, let's be reasonable. But the, the word reasonableness that Paul is describing is much like the word gentleness, one of the fruit of the Spirit, or humility where we have a confidence in God regardless of the circumstances around us. And that confidence that we have in God doesn't produce pride, 
but it produces humility. Humility, as you think about it, isn't thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's not trying to get one up around the room, from the room around you. It's not trying to, trying to outdo someone. It's trying to show one another love, regardless of how they might feel about you. It's not looking down upon others, but seeing yourself as a servant. And that reasonableness is a gentleness that this world doesn't see very often. This world sees agendas, sees priorities that are self-centered. But yet we as Christians should show that we live for another kingdom. We live for priorities that aren't actually our own. But we live for the priorities of God that are demonstrated through his son, Jesus Christ, who is a servant. Jesus says he came not to this world to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this is the nature of the reasonableness that's known by all, is that we live our lives in humble service, in gratitude because of what God has done. It means that we don't pretend and perform, right? We can easily try to pretend and perform depending on who's around us any given day or time and in order to try to get their approval. That's one of the things I struggle with. Like, I have this problem. I want everybody to like me. Uh, and, and, you know, it doesn't really work with being a pastor because there's just people that aren't going to like me. Because if I'm going to love people, I have to, I have to confront them with the word of God and they're not going to like it. And so it, it, it ekes at my soul. It tears away. But when... I have a confidence in God, I can approach them not with my agenda or not with them liking me, but I, I don't have to conform to what they want, but I call them to the reality of God's love for them and say, this is what's going to change your life for the better. And I don't care about what you think about me. I just care about you knowing that God loves you. Now, it sounds all fine and good to say that to somebody, right? But you might love somebody in the right way as God has called you to, and, and I will warn you, people will hate you for it. People will hate you for it. And this is the reasonableness that we are called to with love and grace to move forward the truth of God. This reasonableness doesn't value what the world values, doesn't find value in the things of this world, meaning doesn't find our value in created things, but finds our value in the creator. Paul says, just following this reasonableness that's being made known to all, he says, the Lord is at hand. Now, this was a pointed verse for the church of Philippi because they were waiting for the Lord. They were waiting for the return of King Jesus to bring justice to that which was unjust, to see persecution come to an end. And Paul is reminding them that Jesus will one day return. Now we know that the church of Philippi never saw that return. But we also know that the, that the apostle Paul is reminding of this because in the scope of all that God is doing, it's important that we realize that the return of Jesus Christ is imminent. 
No matter how long it's been, no matter how long it will be, the return of Jesus Christ is imminent. And we are to be his ambassadors. But this word, the Lord, as at hand also means that the Lord is close by. The Lord is present. This morning when we were praying for each other, we asked for God to be present in our prayers. We asked that, that God would be present in our hearts, in our lives. And the, the proverb says that there is a friend that's closer than a brother. Many of you may have faced loneliness. Maybe you face loneliness right now. You would say, who are my real friends? Who are the people that really care about me? Who are the people that come alongside of me in life? And you're looking for that closeness in others, which I encourage you to do. But one of the things that we must do is look for that closeness, not in those around us, because if it's completely in them, they will fail you. We will fail you, even as a church. But if it's in Jesus Christ, then you have the presence that matters. And the people that come alongside of you in the midst of your difficulties, you can rejoice and celebrate and you can thank God for, but you can also know that they're imperfect. They're sinners in need of God's grace. And so you don't look for the perfect presence of other people, but you're satisfied in the perfect presence of God because the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. And this is the power of Jesus Christ in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 6, we see that peace is provided. Verses 4 and 5, we see that peace is practiced through our life as a demonstration of the reality of God's peace in us through our rejoicing, through our humble confidence, through our acknowledgement of Jesus' return and his presence in our lives regularly. In verses 6 and 7, we see that peace is provided. How can you know that your joy is in God? How can you know that you have the peace of God? It's as if Paul is asking this question. Well, are you anxious? Are you anxious? Do you have anxiety? Do you have fear? And I'm not saying that there should be the absence of anxiety if you have peace. I'm saying, where do you go when that anxiousness comes? Where do you go when that anxiety hits and when all hell breaks loose? Are you anxious? Anxiety is a mighty beast that will steal. It will steal the joy of our lives. And Paul says in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, when that anxiety isn't turned into prayer... Paul points out in the book of Galatians that it looks like the works of the flesh. So you have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Anxiety, if we aren't going to God in prayer, will look like the works of the flesh. 
So let me give you an example from my everyday life, what this looks like. Uh, we have a, a minivan. Anybody else have a minivan in the room? Anybody else? We've got a few minivans. Amen. Amen. There we go. There we go. We'll have a support. We'll have a support group after this. So, um, but, uh, and I've got three kids. And if you put these kids in close proximity to one another for maybe five or 20 minutes, man, it just seems like, it just seems like there's going to be some biting and kicking and scratching and all these things are going to happen. And there is fighting. There's fighting because they want what they want and they have to have it. And you put kids in pro, and thank goodness we have a minivan. For those of you who don't have a minivan, and they're all three in the back seat next to each other for crying out loud. How do you do it? How do you break up those fights? You can't do it. Well, maybe you can, but it takes some skill while you're driving the car. So there you go, April. You can, you, you got it. Um, and that, uh, uh, now, the anxiety is interesting because what anxiety produces is saying that I have to fix it. And when we say we have to fix it, we look at life in a silo, like it's all about me. And if it's all about me, then I will do whatever I have to in order to accomplish this towards my end. And so you end up trying to fix your problem and go through the cul-de-sac of insanity, meaning you do the same things over and over, expecting different results and you're never able to go anywhere because the whole world will not bend to you no matter how hard you try. Or the other result is to give up. I just, I'm just going to give up. I can't do it. And chances are you've teetered on, I'm going to fix it or I'm going to give up. But right there in the middle, as you walk in the spirit, you have prayer. Go to God in prayer. And as you go to God in prayer, you have the peace of God that floods your life. The root of anxiety is something that is there for each and every one of us. It's uncertainty of circumstances, right? The reason why we're we're anxious is because we don't know what's coming. The reason why we're anxious is because we don't know what tomorrow brings. But the, the word of God turns us to the Lord because God knows. Dr. Phil and Oprah, notwithstanding, God knows. And so we turn to him. We turn to God who understands exactly what we need before, we're even, before we even ask. And today I acknowledge that probably in each and every one of us, there's this anxiety that's just filling our heart and soul. Maybe it's, there's a loved one whose health is uncertain beyond today or tomorrow. I have that in my life. Maybe there's financial stress. Maybe there's the, the, like what Carrie and I are going through and trying to move. All these things, the, the uncertainty of tomorrow should drive us not to trying to keep the world in our hands the way we know it, but it should cause us to turn to the Lord in prayer. And prayer is the antidote to anxiety. Prayer is the antidote to anxiety. Now, friends, I don't tell you that prayer cures anxiety. I'm not saying that if you're anxious, it's because you're not praying enough. I'm saying that if you're anxious, keep praying. 
I'm saying that. You might still have anxiety beyond tomorrow. You're not going to leave here and take the prayer pill and everything's going to be all good. Because the promise of the scriptures does not say that God puts this magical genie in a bottle and just delivers us when we pray. But we realize that the hard times might come. And in the midst of those hard times, what matters is we have a God who graciously loves us and cares for us and causes us to walk with him no matter what we might go through. And we pray with thanksgiving because we know that God answers our request. He knows our our prayers even before we ask of them. Now, he might not answer them the way we want him to answer them, because that God's working 10,000 things all together while you might only be aware of a few. But we realize that God loves us and he's working things in accordance with his plan and his will. A good test for you to know if God's peace is present in your life is that your life is filled with prayer. Is your life filled with prayer? And then go to the Lord in the midst of those anxieties and those fears and the possibility of the uncertain circumstance and outcome and go to God and lift it up to Jesus and see how God answers you right in the midst of where you need it most by providing his presence. This is the peace of God provided. Martin Luther, the great reformer, He once described his favorite preacher as a bird. He said, I have this preacher that I love better than any other. It's my little tame robin who preaches to me daily. I put his crumbs upon my windowsill, especially at night. He hops onto the sill when he wants his supply. He takes as much as he desires to satisfy his need. From there, he always hops to the tree close by and lifts up his voice to God. And sings his carol of praise and gratitude. He tucks his little head under his wings and goes fast to sleep to leave tomorrow to look after itself. He is the best preacher that I have on earth. And Jesus tells us this in Matthew six twenty six and 27. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by, not being anx- by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? Anxiety just empties. It doesn't fill. But when we go to the Lord in prayer, he fills us. And we know that God cares for us. And everything that we are and everything that we have belongs to him. And we do so with thanksgiving, just like the sparrow. There's a hymn that says, What a friend we have in Jesus. All, ooh, that's pretty low. All our griefs and sins to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. The creator of the universe is listening, is listening. What a privilege it is to carry 
everything to God in prayer. Verse 7 says, the peace of God comes through the Prince of Peace. Look at it with me. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is where the world takes a drastic turn in a different direction in our search for peace. The world says that we must have peace with one another and is not concerned about peace with God. Well, Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, says, I've come to give you the peace of God. This is so critical, so important for us to understand because we think that it's more important that we have peace on earth instead of peace with the creator of the earth. And God has given his peace to rebellious men and women who are traitorous. This is the nature of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is our peace. And that's the peace that surpasses all understanding because that peace says that my life is in the Prince of Peace. I have life in him. So if someone seeks to even take my life, that's a peace that transcends all understanding. We need not fear even those who can destroy the body because they can't destroy the soul. This is the peace that God wants for us. This is the peace that Paul is longing for in his church. I had a friend of mine who shared with me the realities of this verse. And as he shared with me, I wept. I just wept. He said that this verse meant everything to him at one time of his life. He shared with me how he had just returned from Orlando from a break from college And when he returned from Orlando from a break from college, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and was wrongly accused of a crime that he didn't commit. And so as he was in, as as this unfolded for him, he realized that there was someone that got shot in the back of the leg and they were looking for a black man with dreadlocks. And as they were looking for a black man with dreadlocks, he came back to the, he came to this location later on that day. He was a black man with dreadlocks. And so they put him in a lineup and he said, that's him. And he didn't commit the crime. And here he was in jail for seven days, put on house arrest, went three days in for trial by jury and was found innocent. It's pretty amazing. And when he was found innocent, his lawyer looked at him and says, why aren't you just jumping for joy? And he said to me, you know, I thought a lot about that. And he said, because I had this peace of God that no matter what I went through, I would be walking in God's will. Because although I was innocent in this matter, I'm not an innocent man. And if God would place me in prison, then I'll preach in prison. It was so powerful. I mean, you know, Paul was preaching in prison when he wrote this. And this was the verse that this man locked into. And he was faced with the, he was faced that if the guilty verdict came, he may have spent as much as 15 years in prison. Now, when I heard this story, I wept because I realized that there's something wrong with the world in this. There's something wrong in, with the world that would have this take place. 
And it caused me to cry out, God, would you bring reconciliation to this world? Would you bring reconciliation between white people and black people and Asian people and Latinos? Would you bring this reconciliation? Would you allow us to act with your justice and mercy? And would you allow our world to change as it relates to this? There's so many things that this brought up in my heart that I was completely unaware of. But yet, this man, as he shared this with me, allowed him to minister to my soul as I understood that the peace of God transformed his life and is bringing transformation in our world today. In verses 8 and 9, we see that peace is promised. Peace is promised. Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's anything that is excellent, if there's anything that's worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the peace of God will be with you. When you line that work, uh, the, the, those words of the Apostle Paul up against the works of the flesh, you see that it's very different. That what God is producing in us is a pure mind and a pure heart that leads to a pure life. This is where we as a church are called to think and live biblically. I challenge you, church, to submit your lives to the Word of God and allow it to transform you and to bring the peace that God longs for. If that is taking place in your life, the circumstances around you, will you'll be empowered to stand against them. That you'd be empowered to endure them. Because God's word shapes you and helps you see between the lines, not what's all about you, but what God may be doing through those circumstances. Because God's word will change the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you live. And this is what the Apostle Paul longs for his church to understand. That the peace of God changes everything about your life. And he promises that as you live your life in that peace, then God's peace is with you. God's peace is with you. And this is a peace that the world knows nothing of. Jesus reminds us this of Matthew Chapter 5, 9 through 12. He says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Friends, we must know as we go as ambassadors of the peace of God, sharing the love of Christ Jesus, that it's not going to be easy. That people might revile us. That persecution is around the corner. Because, listen, the way this world is today, and I believe you know it just as well as I do, the only sin in this world according to the world around us, is to call sin, sin. But the gospel compels us to call sinners 
to repentance because they need a Savior who died for that sin. This is the gospel that we are called to proclaim. And once we do it, we must not be foolish in thinking that it's going to be all easy. But we must realize that God empowers us to stand against any of the trials, any of the temptations, any of the slander that might come our way in the middle of it. It's the peace that transforms everything about our life. It's the peace that overwhelms. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And as we close this time and we prepare to take communion, I want to ask you two questions. Question number one is, do you have peace with God? That's the point of this whole passage. Where do you turn for peace? And maybe you've looked around and you say, where am I looking for peace? I'm looking at it in the world around me. And as you have sought to find that peace, how's it working for you? Well, I want to offer you the peace of God that comes in the person and work of Jesus Christ that transforms the way we live, that transforms the way we think, that transforms the way we feel. And ask, have you been reconciled? To a God who is loving you through his son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus paid the ultimate penalty so that you may have peace. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. This is the only way that we'll find peace is the peace of God demonstrated through the Prince of Peace, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And that peace, once demonstrated in you, will seek to bring peace to the world around you, to create peace with others in a world that's in discord, in a world that's in chaos, in a world that can find their wholeness and harmony in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so... For those of you who would say, this is the peace that I need. This is the peace that I have. This is the peace that I long for. We take communion remembering that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could have that peace. And we realize that it's that broken body and shed blood of Jesus that still goes forward to bring peace in a world of infighting and bickering. And this is the peace that God seeks for us here today. It's an overwhelming peace. It's a peace that floods our soul and brings the reality of the gospel on a day-to-day basis. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we have the peace of Jesus Christ. I thank you that that peace is one that is actively working in our lives, whether we see it or not. God, that right now we're here because you want peace with us. Because you have peace with us. Because that peace comes through Jesus. So now, God, we lay our lives before you and we say, God, would you make us a people of peace? God, would you allow us to find rest in you? God, for those of us here that are now struggling with anxiety, God, I pray that we would turn to you 
And we would see, Lord, how you are the one who transforms our understanding because we know we have all that we need in you. And that peace brings a Sabbath rest that allows the world around us to see that there is a peace that is like no other that comes only from you. God, thank you for your peace. And we recognize the power of your peace in the person and work of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna ask our servers to come forward. We're gonna take communion, remembering the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And as we take communion, I encourage us to stir upon the peace of God as he is leading us in our hearts. And after we take communion, Pastor Micah and this worship team is going to lead us in the most beautiful song of peace that so steadies my soul. The peace of God that comes regardless of anything else through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So we take communion remembering God's perfect work.